April November candidates. This is the first episode of the November cycle on our Candidate Corner podcast. And I wanted to start this week off by uh, reiterating a few of the things we talked about at the end of the run on Saturday, those of you that were there live for the run. Um, you know, we talked about this idea of, of uh, demonstrating courtesy and respect and camaraderie um, by sticking around at, at the end of the run until everybody has crossed the finish line. And uh, there, there are times when there are, you know, some faster runners and they get in and, and they may have, you know, several minutes to wait before the slowest runner gets in and, and uh, we can forget that, you know, people are still out there struggling potentially and uh, it's definitely better to um, be willing to be part of that team where, you know, you're um, going to be there and cheer them on. Uh, if you are a faster runner, you might even um, opt to head back out and help some of the slower runners in, right? Like that's, that's an option. You don't have to do that, but that's an option. And we've seen, definitely seen some people do that. I've done that. Um, some of our other good runners have done that after they cross the finish line, instead of just being done, they go back out and they help some of the slower runners. So that's something else to consider. Um, so again, just stay to the end, um, be there at the finish line. Now, there could be a, a situation where you need to use the bathroom or something and, you know, it's, it's um, you know, an, an unusual circumstance that maybe you're not going to be there um, at the end for everybody. But probably most of the time, I think, you know, you, you would be able to pull that off. Um, so we also talked about some things that would help you achieve better run times and, um one of the biggest things I noticed is that um, people start so fast. You know, when I say when I say go, we get people that sprint off the line and then they they just get going so fast they can't keep up that pace. So um, I always encourage people to start a little bit slower and then gradually pick up your pace, and you will feel like you can maintain it better that way than starting so fast and then you kind of feel defeated to the point where man I can't keep this up and then you have to slow down and uh, and then of course that makes just things uh, a little depressing when you have to slow down or you can't keep up that that pace so consider starting slower and uh, building your pace as you go along now uh, some other things to think about is like how are you breathing if you're breathing in and out fast right you'll tend to tire yourself out so I always encourage people to have a slow exhale uh, to relax their hands and with, with their breathing also you can think about making a pattern right like you, you might um, uh, you almost make some different sounds you know like with, with your exhales or your inhales uh, and, um, and if you make a little pattern out of it it almost becomes a song Sometimes I'll try to time how many steps I do on my exhale and get that same number of steps on the next one. And um, obviously my inhale is faster, so I'm getting less steps on the inhale, more steps on the exhale. But you create a little pattern and maybe a little bit of a, uh, like a musical tune to it. And that can, number one, take your mind off the run, but also it helps you to be relaxed. Um, checkpoints are, are really good to use when you're running. Um, I, I consider checkpoints every quarter mile. So um, 
if you are running with a watch or a stopwatch and you're constantly looking at your watch, I think that's bad. You know, you, you, it'll slow you down probably because you're always looking at your at your watch. But if you if at every quarter mile you peak, you can kind of get a sense of how am I doing for that last quarter mile, and should I speed up, or should I stay the same? Or um, I mean, typically you don't want to slow down, but you know, if you're if you're happy with that, let's say you ran the first quarter mile in two minutes, you might say, okay, that's that's a pretty good pace. You know, I I can. Um, two minutes on every quarter mile gets me gets me to 16. Uh, if I'm running slower than two minutes, then of course I'm going to notice that when I check my time, and then I can speed it up um, little by little, or try to make up for uh, if I'm a little bit behind. So again, uh, you know, using those checkpoints as a way to kind of manage how fast you're running. You know, if you don't look at your watch until you cross the finish line, you can't do anything about it. Or if you don't look at it until you're about 100 yards away from the finish line, you still can't really do much about it. Um, so checking every quarter mile, I think, is the way to go. Now, of course, you have to know where the quarter mile markers are. So um, that's something we can discuss in, uh, on a, a future time and kind of let people have an idea where they are. But um, at one point, I had them marked right on the sidewalk, but over time, those, those markings disappear. But uh, we'll talk more about that. But let's keep moving on. Um, you know, we, we, uh, I mentioned in the, after the run that as candidates, you know, we are all in this, this cycle together. And, and uh, if you remember, Liz, um, through Zoom, wanted to get it, uh, a chance to know who all of you are, right? And um, I think that's a really good thing where you all think of each other as teammates, and, and, and you try to help each other as much as possible, right? As soon as, as, soon as possible, like don't wait till, uh, you know, a pre-check is coming in and, and you decide to, oh, well, let's everybody meet up and do a crash uh, practice course. But, um, you know, come up with a plan to work, work on getting um, things that you might feel behind on um, to get those things done, whether you're meeting at the park or you're, um, you know, figuring out a way to have a Zoom session with each other, you know, so you, you can you can have a Zoom session, you know, between two people or four people or or all of you, you know, you can set up your own Zoom sessions and kind of ask each other questions and and uh, you know that kind of thing. Now, obviously, if you can ever train at the dojo live in person, I think that's the better approach, but. Um, you know, you have to decide whether or not you're ready to do that and whether or not um, that's the smart thing for you at this point. Um, but if you can, of course, I think you're going you're gonna to benefit more from that. Um, and if, if you're not able to or not willing to at this point, you have to think, well, what am I going to do more to make up for the fact that I'm not actually there in class? How can I do more on my own? How can I do this more often or harder or for longer periods of time, you know, to, to just make, make up for it? Or, or you could just settle and say, oh, it's, you know, I go through it at home. It's a little easier than if I was at the dojo. Well, you're not going to produce the same results. So if you don't pick it up and do more, um, it's going to end up being, um, you know, something that you don't like the end result. And, of course, we don't want that. So... Um, you know, in, in the class, we talked about how this first session was um, kind of like a kindergarten 
approach, right? Where we, we really look at everything at the white, yellow, orange belt levels and we think how that's setting the foundation for our intermediate and advanced curriculum. And if, if your foundation isn't strong, then it doesn't really matter what kind of more advanced katas you learn. You just, you never look good because your basics aren't strong. You know, if you don't have a good crescent step, that doesn't only affect short one, that affects every kata that you do because crescent steps show up in every kata. If you don't have good chamber, same thing. It doesn't just affect the lower katas, it, lo it affects everything you do. So if you want to be a great performer, you have to really look at the things that you've learned, especially as a white belt, but really in those first three belt levels, white, yellow, and orange, and just become a master at those things. Be become somebody who has got a really good eye for detail and you've developed a, a sense of self-discipline to push yourself through the, um, the, the moments when it gets boring to do repetition on something so basic. You know, it's not exciting, but if you're willing to do it, you will, you will um, be a better performer than most. And, um, you know, I, I've always felt that way, that people that are really good at their basics, they don't have to be the best kicker in the world, but the kick that they do throw has got great form. It might not be the highest in the class, but it's got great form. It's got great pivot or whatever the case may be, foot position, balance, all of those things. Sometimes you see people who kick really high and they, they don't have good form. They don't have a good foot position. And just because they're flexible, um, you know, it might be wowing just to see somebody kick high. But when you really look at the kick, if it's not, if it's not detailed, you're not going to be impressed with it. So, again, just think detail, 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 and how can I make it better? Um, we talked about how you should always act like the instructor is talking to you right or talking about you if they're giving a tip you know if you have this this approach that you know oh he must be talking about me instead of well I'm, he's not talking about me I don't do that or you know have that type of a an attitude towards it if, if you just open up your mind and think well maybe maybe I do that maybe I don't realize I'm doing that so I'm going to double check right and if you, if you take that approach and act like you're the only one in class, it's kind of like getting a private lesson every time you come to class, right? Because anything that's said, you're thinking, okay, I've got to make sure I'm doing that if that's what the instructor wants you to do, or I got to make sure I'm not doing that if they're talking about a detail, um, you know, a lack of detail, right? So you want to fix those things. Um, be the kind of student that's willing to do the repetitions, right? I said a little bit earlier, sometimes doing those repetitions is boring. Right, or it's not that exciting, but you gotta be willing to do those repetitions. On the way from, from good to excellence is this area called boredom. And sometimes people get good with their material, but they don't become excellent because they start to get bored. They're already good, and they just don't wanna do any more repetition once they get good at it. But um, you miss out on becoming excellent if you're not willing to keep putting those repetitions in and finding new ways um, to tighten the screws and to, you know, polish the apple, if you will, so that, um, you know, those, those performances aren't just good, but they, they go to that next level. Um, we talked about the importance of crescent steps, right? You're dragging your foot along the ground, making sure it touches the other foot and then back out, ending toe to heel, um, 
and and when you watch people who have those those details, those basics, you're going to see um, you know somebody who you might consider an A student, and um, or at least a B student. But, but when you see when you think of somebody who's a C student, that is like the person who's not willing to to pay attention to the detail. They they can they can demonstrate a form or the material in such a way that you know you recognize it, but it's you're not wowed by it, right? That's a C student, and in academics, um, a C student that's a passing grade, right? In martial arts, a C student doesn't like when it, when we're talking about lower belts under black belt, yeah. There's some C students, and and they might even get to the next belt as a C student. But I really hate the idea of a black belt being a C student. They have to at least be a B, right? So when when somebody's a C student as a high red belt, and they're trying to become a black belt, that's a reason to not pass that person. That's a reason to cut them from cycle because they haven't moved out of that that C level performance um, into at least B, right? So, uh, which student do you want to be, right? And are you happy with with your what your performance looks like? You know, what would you rate it as? Would you rate it as an A? Would you rate it as a B? Or would you rate it as a C? And in class, we were talking about this idea of like, what if somebody from a different karate school happened to come in and watch you take class, right? What would they think about you? You know, somebody who's in a different karate school they might, um, you know, they might come in and be like, wow, this person's really, really good. They might be impressed by you because you're the kind of student that really um, goes the extra mile. Or they might come in and they might, they might look at you and go, wow, I can't believe that that person is going for black belt, right? They don't really look the part. So, so what, when you think that way, when you think about what would somebody else who is a martial artist, think of me, um, hopefully that, that gives you a little bit of desire to want to try harder and to want and, and to take pride in everything you do, even the little things like how you go to, to set or how you snap back to ready, right? All of these little things, they, make a, they can make a huge difference even though they're little by themselves. Overall, they, they, uh, they really change the way somebody somebody else who's when they're looking at you what they think about you right and um, so use use this week one performance um, kind of as like a, a temperature gauge like what what was your temperature in week one you know were you cold <laughs> were you not that good of a performer that day um, were you warm where you had some things that were good but you also had some you know mistakes and bobbles or were you hot? You know, you were on fire. You were, um, you came in focused and fired up and ready to go. And um, you know, you you really made made your your mark. You made yourself known that you were there. And that doesn't mean you never made a mistake. But you were, you know, like my opinion is when somebody's really focused, and for the most part they're nailing everything. Even when they make a little mistake. You forget about their mistake almost as quickly as you see it because you can see them get right back into focus. You can see them, um, you, you know, like not hang on to the problem. And that's something that is more of a learned response. 
it's not it's not a natural reaction to just drop the mistake and, and get refocused. Most people, when they make a mistake, they dwell on it. They get um, a little bit frustrated or they get embarrassed or you know whatever and they're hanging on to it and so they continue to make mistakes um so try to learn from this idea of you know a mistake is like hanging on to a big rock and you can't really continue to perform if you're hanging on to a a big rock you're just gonna make another mistake and now you got two big rocks to hang on to so you either let them go and that way you're able to focus and, and perform strong again or you're, those rocks are just weighing you down and preventing you from being able to do a good job in the future. So a lot of this stuff you, I'm sure you've heard over the years of your training, right? But they're all good reminders. Um, as I said that day, successful people don't need to be told what to do, but we do need reminders. And um, so take this as, as, you know, I'm here to remind you to help you be successful in the cycle. I can lead you in the right direction, but you really have to do it yourself. You have to, um, you know, take action and be willing to do, to do a little bit extras uh, so that you will have a successful cycle. Now, that doesn't mean you're on your own when, when I say you have to, you the one that has to do the work. It just means that you know you got to do the work. You can you can ask for help from the instructors. You can ask for help from your teammates, and I think it's really good to do that. But even if they're helping you, they can't do it for you. They're just helping you. Okay, so um, take that for what it's worth. And, and each week, um, you know, come in fired up and making progress, moving that ball down the field. And at the end of cycle, if you're doing what it takes. You're going to be successful. You're going to be, um, you know, in the winner's circle wearing that black belt or that next level. But if you're not, if you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing, then you don't deserve it, right? And you, and you can't really be upset with anybody except for yourself. So um, that's it for now for this week's podcast. Um, we'll do one of these little sessions each week, uh, a short talk after the run. Um, but many of you, at least at this point, aren't there at the run. You're doing your runs on your own or you're training at home. And so you're not getting the same messages as those people that are there. And so I'm, I'm going to follow up with these types of uh, podcasts each week. And, um, you know, give me your feedback on, on how these podcasts are um, for, you know, f- for motivating you. Do you like them? Um, do you want me to, to talk about anything in particular, right? And as you send me your training logs, um, you know, you can, you can always um, make comments or suggestions in there. All right. So that's it for now. I will see you guys all either on your next Zoom class or live at the dojo. Thanks, everybody. Peace.